We still haven't quite finished this Closer Walk with God series that I've been working through. This week, we're going to talk about the joy of singing. I mean, even people who have no religious anything in their lives whatsoever realize how powerful song can be, how it can affect your, your mood and your memory and all kind of stuff. Singing is a very powerful way to do lots of things in your life. It's another important element of our walk with God. We need to engage in the act of singing praises to God. We spend nearly a third of our assemblies engaged in singing at most churches. It's also a place, has a place in our private devotions for God. A lot of people might sit and quietly have their own study where they just read or maybe go through a Bible study book, but I know lots of people who even if they're alone, they sing praises sitting in their living room or their closet or wherever their private study is. And this is rightly so, because it has a potential for reaping great spiritual benefits to those who engage in it properly. It is clear that those who walk with God in the Old Testament times delighted in singing. Psalms 146, 1 and 2 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. The psalmist wouldn't have bothered to put that in there throughout all the psalms if it wasn't an important thing to him. Christians were taught to respond to the goodness of God in a similar way. In James 5.13, it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Any merry, let him sing psalms. James tells you to do it when he's married, but I've sang when I was feeling down and the hymns have brought me back out of that bad mood, bad vibe, or just sometimes even feeling sick. I've showed up at church in a bad mood and had the singing lift me right out of it. There are indications in many churches which cause need to wonder if some have lost their joy of singing. Many Christians sing with virtually no emotion at all robotically doing it because they have to. I've known Christians who complain because time available for class is taken up with singing a few hymns. I've seen Christians who wouldn't sing. There are Christians who will not attend a worship service if they know it will be a all-sing service. In contrast, it was common in the past for people to travel some distance to attend a service devoted to praising God in song because there's something special about it. Why do such conditions exist? I suspect it may be a failure to appreciate the true purpose of singing and how we get more out of singing uh, by knowing these things. In an effort to assure that we will experience the joy of singing, let's first examine the purpose of it. Do we just do it because it sounds good, because it soothes a headache we might have just because everyone else is doing it? Acts 16.25 says, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Well, that would indicate to me that we ought to be singing to praise the Lord. We're not singing just because it's a tradition, because people have done it for a few hundred years in churches. We're singing praises to the Lord our God. Indeed, this is certainly the idea inherited in the word hymn, which comes from the Greek word, Hymnos meaning a song of, a song in praise of. So if you're singing a hymn, a spiritual hymn in the service of Christ, then you're singing a song in praise of Christ. 
Praising God should be natural for Christians. We shouldn't have to force ourselves out of bed on Sunday, make ourselves get in the car, and then mutter our way through service. It ought to be natural to us. We ought to be ready for it and anticipating it, and not just on Sundays. For if David of the Old Testament reacted this way to the blessings God gave him, Psalms 28, 6, and 7 is a good example. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I have helped. Therefore, my heart will greatly rejoice with my song, will I praise him. That's a continuing theme with David, the idea of praising the Lord through song, being so happy with the Lord that he's going to take the time to sing, being so overjoyed with God that there were a few times, if I'm not mistaken, where he burst into song. How much more should we? David's been gone a long time, and we're constantly reading about how much he enjoyed praising the Lord. How much more should we? In fact, singing is one of the spiritual sacrifices that we're supposed to be offering to God. We don't butcher animals anymore. We don't burn incense 15 times a day. I'm sure some people burn it, and some people just burn incense because it smells good. It's not really a religious thing anymore, but in our case, singing is an offering that we should be sending up. Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Continually, meaning every single day. You should be praising him as much as you can, any way you can think of. And singing is not off that list. As spiritual priests, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God. 1 Peter 2, 5, Ye also... As living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. If we are not careful, we, ought, we might be guilty of offering defiled service to God, as was the case in Malachi's day. Malachi 1, 7 and 8 says, Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. They didn't just have this obligation to, well, this often you're going to make these sacrifices. They were supposed to give the best of the best. You didn't go through your flock and pick the one that had a busted leg that was going to die anyhow and say, well, you can have that one, Lord. You were to pick your best. If you were a farmer, you got your best crop. And that's why this example works out so well, because we shouldn't be just mindlessly muttering our way through singing or any other part of the service because we have to. We ought to be presenting him with our best. And if our best sounds horrible to the human beings around us, so be it, because God will find it just beautiful. Same chapter, Malachi 1, 12 and 13. But ye have profaned it, and that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame and the sick, thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? 
And I would hate to think for as simple as our offerings are that we would go with such a poor attitude at offering that the Lord would think of our offering in such a way. It was a lot easier for somebody whose livelihood was an animal to try to justify it in their mind even though they knew they couldn't. Well, i got to sell these animals to feed my family. God won't care. It was wrong. It, and it shouldn't seem any more wrong, but it, it is more wrong. But it, I could see where it would be easier to rationalize in the human brain. Well, this is my livelihood. God will understand if I give him a lame one. But how are you going to justify in your mind that terrible singing or forced singing or half-hearted singing is just as good as full-hearted praise? Ephesians, or uh, our next verse there in Colossians and Ephesians, we need to teach and admonish one another through these same songs. They're dual purpose, multi purpose. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It didn't say if you feel like it, if the mood strikes you, if it's convenient today, it just said do it. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's in multiple places. It's not like, well, maybe you got that one spot twisted. No, it talks about praising the Lord throughout the entire Bible. Our singing is not just directed toward God. Certainly many songs are, and certainly everything we should do should be done in praise to the Lord. But many of the songs are directed to each other. And that's because many songs are designed to teach one another. Teaching and admonishing us to live properly. Enjoying the blessings of the Christian life. May even be said that congregational singing is often congregational teaching. Depending on how somebody's wired, I could see somebody getting more out of the, the songs at one point in their life than possibly the sermon. Look at the singing for the little children. If a guy gets up here and runs his mouth for 20 or 30 minutes, a little kid's not going to get a lot out of that. But if they come up here and sing three or four songs, it'll stick in their head forever. Little kids are going to take that right in. And we're not any different. We'd like to think that we are, but we're all just little kids in one way or another. And we are all the children of the Lord anyhow. Singing is a way that we can encourage our brethren as well as ourselves. When done properly, singing can be a wonderful blessing, but how can we get the most out of our singing? We must engage the mind as we sing. We shouldn't just be going through the motions. Remember, singing is teaching and admonishing one, other, one another. Thus assumes, this assumes that we understand what we are singing. We ought to know what we're singing. You shouldn't be saying or singing something if you don't know what you're talking about. You ought to take the time to learn if you don't know what you're talking about. We must be careful that our enjoyment of singing is not like the way many people enjoy their popular music. Liking the music without necessarily understanding the words. And I think we've all done that at some point, no matter what genre we're into. We thought, oh, that's a real nice song. and never really paid attention to what they were saying. I've heard songs recently that played when I was a kid that always sounded great when I was a kid. And I'm listening to them today thinking, man, that just played for anybody to hear. Kids shouldn't be hearing this song. But I had no clue when I was a kid what they were singing about. The song just sounded good. And I can see it falling into a similar category in church, not that we would have a negative message, but you shouldn't just be singing it because it's a pleasant melody. You need to know what you're singing, how you're praising, how you're teaching, or possibly what you need to ask questions about.
We must also engage the heart as we sing. It's not enough to engage our mind and just cognitively know what's going on. When we sing, we must do so with grace in our hearts. Colossians 3.16 again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It shouldn't just be going through the motions. It shouldn't be, oh, well, I understand that. You really ought to feel it because it ought to really be coming from your whole being. We're talking about worship to the Lord. We're talking about edifying the people you care about. Ephesians 5.19 again said to make a melody in your heart. This assumes that we involve our emotions as we sing. Now, I'm not trying to promote that whole emotionalism thing where people just get so emotional that they don't even know what's going on. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But you do need your emotions to be involved because you should be worshiping with your whole being. So you need your mind in this. You need your heart in this, your emotions, your everything. Any aspect of you you can come up with, you need to be giving that to God. You need to be spreading it out over all of you to make sure you are thoroughly worshiping. This assumes that we involve our emotions along with everything else. To sing without emotion or without grace in our hearts would be evident in our countenances. Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. We all know what, what this is without getting into more verses or a whole lot more commentary. You hear the people singing that you can just tell, man, they're really into this song. And then you hear the monotone voice somewhere that you're like, boy, does that person even want to sing? We've all heard both and everything in between. It's almost hypocritical, and, and it is condemned by Christ to go in half-hearted to your worship. Matthew 15, 7 and 8, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What good does it do? To draw nigh unto the Lord with your mouth and honor him with your lips and your heart is nowhere to be found. So as we sing, we should do so with both the emotions of the heart, the understanding of the mind as well. And in a farther effort to assure that we are experiencing the joy of singing, consider some questions to evaluate your singing. And you could probably come up with more questions, but these are a few to get you started. Do you limit the sphere of your singing? Is your singing just limited to public assemblies? You sing a little bit of hymnal when you're at church, if you feel like it, and that's it for the week. Or do you utilize opportunities to sing at other times with others who are even alone? Do you ever just sing a hymn while you're cooking or while you're driving or while you're hanging out with some other Christians? Or do you limit the sphere of your singing? Is it something you believe or just without thinking about it have limited to this little box of that's what I do at church? Singing, like prayer, ought to be spontaneous, arising whenever the circumstances call for. I know we've all thought about prayer that way. Anything happens in our life, there's nothing wrong with stopping and saying a little prayer. You don't have to dump some oil on your head and throw your arms in the air and scream for the whole city to hear you. God knows your thoughts. You ought to be spontaneously praying all the time, whether it be God help me or God thank you or God I love you or whatever the case may be. Singing doesn't have to be any different. There are lots of people who sing at work, whether it be hymnals or whatever other song they want. And it's not something people even really take notice to. But most certainly when you're sitting home alone watching TV or cooking or 
laying there wishing you could sleep is a time when you could be praying or singing. Acts 16.25, Paul had an opportunity. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They were in prison. They had nothing better to do. So why not? Let's praise the Lord. And if you go back and you study into that story, just simply praising the Lord turned out really well for them. Psalm 34, 1-3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. At all times, continually, together. This, just these couple verses really laid out a pattern for worship of any kind, and your song is no different. Another question, is there a lack of emotion in your singing? Remember, singing is to involve the heart, and not just some heart, but as in all we do for the Lord with all of our hearts. So is there a lack of emotion in your singing? Matthew 22, 22, 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Not some, not a little bit, not this much today and this much tomorrow. With all your heart, soul, and mind. When it comes time to praise the Lord, it should not be done half-heartedly. Matthew 15, 7 through 9, Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you. This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It is a great sign of mediocrity to praise always moderately. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name who I just quoted, but if you want to know his name, I'll show it to you later. I didn't come up with that one. Not all may be a talented voice, but all can and should bless the Lord with their whole being. Do you understand what you are singing? Again, singing must also involve your mind. There's nothing wrong with pulling someone aside later and saying, man, we sung that, that 948 and it was a nice song, but I, I don't got any idea what that song was about. I tried to read it later. It just didn't click with me. And either that person will get with you and figure it out, or they'll say, you know, I don't understand it either. Let's go talk to someone else. And at some point, enough people that didn't understand are going to get together and find someone that did. And then it'll be more than a pleasant memory. It'll be a melody. It'll be a pleasant melody that we all understand together. Some songs though sounding beautifully, can be so complicated as to hinder understanding. Like, like the musical arraignment can be such that one spends more time concentrating on the notes rather than the words. Or I'm not a really deep musical person. I'm sure we could list 20 other reasons if we had somebody in here who was really into music. I like it, and I'm no good at it. And that's about the extent of it for me, but I do it anyhow. And that's not to say that a song like that is evil and bad and we should ward it off, just that we should get into it a little deeper and make sure we all know what we're singing. Uh, you could have a problem with the pace. You could have a problem with the way the words flow together. It could just be the way that that one person's hearing it. The words may be unusual or not understood by the average singer. Song leaders could be performing a valuable service by being careful in songs that they select to lead. I think the only problem we really have here is 
we should probably find a way to filter in new stuff, not because the songs we sing are bad, but it's always nice to get some new songs. That's one of the best parts about vacation. We should be taking a moment to explain the meaning of the song or the unusual, usual words in it when we do have one, or especially if somebody comes and says, man, I don't get that song. But the ultimate responsibility fell, falls on us who sing, so we should make every effort to understand what we are singing. we got a small congregation here, so anybody doing anything up front could probably occasionally pick something out. But if you had a congregation of 100 people, there's no way that the preacher or song leader could find everything that somebody might be thinking. So each individual person needs to be keeping an eye on their worship. If they got an issue and need help, they need to come get their help. Because that's what the other rest of the family's for, so they can help each other. Do you stress musical harmony to the detriment of New Testament singing? Fortunately, God stressed making a melody in our hearts over making a melody with our voices. It helps to sound nice, but that's not what matters the most. What matters the most is that our hearts are right and that we're doing the right thing with it. We're praising and we're edifying. In a natural desire to offer beautiful praise, do you discourage those who might not have trained their voices but still love the praise of God and their whole being? We've all at some point seen Christians give criticizing to others. I don't know that I've seen it here. When we were kids, I always gave it to my little brother. You shouldn't sing. You're horrible. He was pretty bad. But the emphasis should be on praising God in heart and mind and not how it may sound to the human ear. I wish I could find it. One morning, early in the morning on the way to work, they were playing Old Country, and they played a song about a guy who was in the choir who was just absolutely terrible. And they finally said something to him and told him, drop out of the choir, you are just terrible. And when they went in church next Sunday, he had died. The song just about rips a tear out of you thinking about it, if you've heard it before. And the last verse of the song, he's in God's, chorus and he is just singing his heart away up there but the whole point of the song was just exactly what we're talking about here you ain't got to worry about judging somebody's earthly sounding voice because it's not about what they're doing for the people around them except the edifying part somebody may sound absolutely horrible to you but if they're singing with all their heart soul and mind they're doing exactly what they ought to be doing do you hinder your own singing by where you sit or any other number of objects Singing alone, like if you sit way in the corner or spread out naturally, discourages many from singing as they otherwise might. If you were a little bit embarrassed, you don't shouldn't sit right in the middle. If you want to hear other people to drown yourself out a little bit, you shouldn't sit off in the corner. Each and every person will have their own, this is what I ought to do. Have you taken that into account? People become more involved and are more uplifted and edify others better when they sit together. And close to the song leader. Uh, right now, obviously, we got some other issues going on, but we are and always have been a very tight knit group. It's still something to touch on just so we do, but I don't think this congregation has ever had a real problem with closeness. We're the family that we ought to be, at least I've always thought so. One of the first steps to better singing is to sit with others who love singing, though, so that some of that can rub off if you don't love it yet. Or, so that if you're the one that loves it, it can rub off from you. We should ask ourselves constantly, have we lost the joy of singing? It's a terrible thing if we have, and we, if we have, then we need to get back to our Bibles and to our prayer life, and we need to figure out what's going on. 
I believe that if we could see ourselves as song leaders do, we might be constrained to say yes. Maybe we wouldn't too, I don't know for sure. I hope that by reminding ourselves of the purpose of singing and how to get more out of it, we might rekindle this act of worship, which can do more, so much more for our walk with God. It's, it's possibly one of the easiest things to do, depending on who you are. And just like prayer, it's vastly neglected. I'm going to hope that David's attitude, a man after God's own heart, could possibly describe where we finally place our own attitude on it. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise to my God while I have my being. Psalms 104.33 Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Psalms 147.1 Leave you with a few questions to stimulate your thinking this evening before we end. Which is more important when we sing, how we sound or how we feel? Are we really teaching and admonishing one another in song if we just whisper or mouth the words? Do we sing because we are happy, or are we happy because we sing? Or is it a little bit of both? Do we sing praises to God when we are by ourselves throughout the week, or is that reserved for when the church doors are open? Does your family ever sing spiritual songs together while traveling in the car, while sitting around the table, while sitting in a living room? Which is more unscriptural, singing with a mechanical instrument or singing without engaging the instrument of the heart? And I'll cheat you guys on that one. Sin is sin, so I would say unbiblical is unbiblical. I don't think any one sin is worse than another when you get to the judgment throne. And I don't think any... One unscriptural practice is any more unscriptural than another when you start breaking down verses. You're either right or with God or you're not. When we're together as a family, we always have an invitation, and we try to remind people that's good all week long, day or night. But we're here together now, and if you have got need, it's dangerous to wait. We always stress how dangerous it is to wait if you're not a Christian. But it's just as dangerous if you are a Christian and you need your family. Your family's here for you. Don't wait. Step forward and let us help you in whatever way you feel comfortable as we all stand and sing. At the door is standing, patiently waiting
with me.